Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put on his own clothes and led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, they compelled this man to carry his cross and when they came to a place called Golgotha which means place of the skull they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall but he tasted it when he tasted it he would not drink it when they had crucified him they divided his garments among them by casting lots and they sat down and kept watch over him there and over his head they put a charge against him which read this is Jesus king of the Jews. There were three people who understood something about life at Jesus' death. About stealing life. Three who were there at the crucifixion and were alive on that first Easter morning. There's a sense in which every one of them, each in their own way, was Stealing life. One of those at the cross who knew something about stealing life was among the soldiers. Taking life was a part of the job of these men. And to quote from the movie Support Your Local Sheriff, they enjoy killing people. In just this short section, we learn quite a bit about their modus operandi they made a show of humiliating Jesus they torture him by forcing long thorns under the skin of his head scraping against his skull they mock him they spit on him they hit him on the head where the thorns are and they crucify him and don't miss that part about making Simon the Cyrenian carry his cross when Jesus' strength failed these guys are so cold-hearted they couldn't even be bothered to do that. They tried to anesthetize Jesus with a nasty concoction. Were they being nice? <laughs> no. You could be sure they didn't care about his comfort. They were just trying to make their job easier. Besides, maybe he'd die quicker and they could get home in time for lunch. Then, before he is even dead, they bet to see who gets his cloak. But even after that, they don't stop. Luke tells us that when the Jewish leaders mocked him, the soldiers decided to get in on the fun. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. But then, Matthew tells us dramatic things start to happen. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sakbathani, which is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly this was the Son of God. These soldiers were thick-headed, cruel brutes. But after three hours of darkness in the middle of the day, Jesus' dramatic statements on the cross and a violent earthquake with rocks bursting apart. Yeah, even they got it. (laughs) All the soldiers get that something way out of the ordinary had just happened. You see, they had heard the Jewish people taunting Jesus, saying things like, If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and the elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He's the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The soldiers heard all that. You can be sure they never heard anyone taunt any one of their victims that way before. So when all this happens, brutes though they were, they get it and they exclaim, truly this was the Son of God. But one of these men, their leader, goes even further. Luke recorded these words of his. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. Wait, wait. He realized Jesus was innocent and then he praised God. Why? Let me ask you a question. You're in charge of executing prisoners. You find out the one you just killed was innocent. And you realize he is the son of God. Would you praise God or run for cover? (laughs) Darkness for three hours, an earthquake that splits rocks. That's some serious power. And you just killed the innocent son of the one who has this power. Why is he praising God? Shouldn't he be begging God not to reduce him to a pile of dust? There's got to be something else here. And there is. Remember, he heard everything that everyone said. He was standing right there. I think it may be something Jesus said while they were crucifying him. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Put yourself in the sandals of the centurion. Can you imagine his shock when he first heard those words? How many people he crucified do you think ever said that? Yeah, I'm guessing none. Now go forward to the time to when Jesus dies and all these events take place. His mind spinning and the sudden understanding of what he had done killed the innocent Son of God. It must have pierced him like a bolt of lightning. And then those words come back to him. Father, forgive him. And he believed He believed his sins, even this sin, were forgiven. 
How could he not praise God? He had murdered the Son of God and he was forgiven. The transformation in that centurion is amazing. An even more fascinating change occurs in another man. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right, one on the left, and those who passed by derided him, and the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Ever noticed how guilty people are always more than willing to put the attention on someone else's guilt? <laughs> uh, to pass, or at least share the blame? These guys joined in deriding Jesus. Okay? Better than getting the negative attention themselves. But Luke, Luke records an interesting event. But first, a little history. Most theologians believe that Luke interviewed Mary, Jesus' mother, as his main source to report the events of the crucifixion. And Mary was standing as close to the cross as she could get. This is important because as time went on, Jesus and the thieves got weaker. Speaking loudly would require great effort. It is entirely possible that only those standing near the cross heard this exchange. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. One thief just wanted down off the cross. Hey, get me out of my misery. <laughs> the other guy. This life is not the deal. If Jesus really is the Messiah, the Christ, then he is the Son of God, just like he claimed. Just like all of those people said. Remember, he's right there. He's hearing everything everyone is saying. He's hearing everything Jesus says. And if Jesus is the Son of God, then death means nothing to him. Because the Son is eternal, and he can give forgiveness and everlasting life to those who trust him. This thief he realized that he was going to die. A lifetime of evil had finally caught up with him. He deserved to be condemned. He deserved death. He deserved hell. But he also must have realized that he had been placed on a cross at the very same time as the Son of God. Somehow he knew this could not be a coincidence. And he thought, I only deserve to die, but God, through this man, his son, will forgive me too. He will give me eternal life. Now, this apparently happened before the great sign of darkness, and of course, before the earthquake and all the rest that happened when Jesus died. This thief believed with nothing more than Jesus' words as a witness to him. He gets it before the centurion understands wonder if the centurion heard this exchange. Maybe, just maybe, the thief's faith helped our centurion to have faith 
In any event, at the same time the centurion understood, the Jewish people that were there got it, and all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. Oh, they got it after Jesus died. Understand, by the way, they don't believe yet. But the thief does. He's better off than those Jews. Better off than the centurion. He's with Jesus. In fact, we could say that he's the very first convert to Jesus Christ in the whole world. Centurion understood. The people of Israel got it. The thief really grasped it. But there is someone who knew the truth before the thief did. Someone who knows a thing or two about stealing life. Someone who always knew. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Jesus knew. And he said, after he rose from the grave, it was necessary for him to suffer. Sometime after Jesus' resurrection, an unknown Jew wrote to his fellow Hebrews in an effort to explain who Jesus was and is. Let's take a moment and look at one part of this letter as the writer starts with an Old Testament quote. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through Jesus tasted death for everyone. And many will be brought to glory because of his suffering. And it was fitting that he suffered. Suffered and died. That's amazing. <laughs> How did it work? Decades later, the Apostle John saw a vision of the glorified Christ. And then when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. I am the first and the last. The living one. I die. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. What a glorious vision. And Jesus has the keys of death and Hades. What does that mean? Remember our believing thief. He knew he deserved to be condemned. He deserved to die. He deserved Hades, hell. But, contrary to what everyone around him surely thought, that is not his destiny. After recording Jesus' discussion with Nicodemus about the need to be born again, John wrote these words, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Why to save and not to condemn? 
whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Jesus didn't come to condemn because everyone is already condemned. Everyone already deserves death. Everyone already deserves hell. But now, Jesus has the keys of death and hell. Our lives are bound up in death and hell. But, since he has the keys to death and hell, Jesus steals life out of death and hell. Jesus steals our lives out of death and hell. Don't forget the verse that comes just before those two. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God wants to pour his love out on all the world. When Jesus died, the Jews went away beating their breasts. The centurion praised God. The thief went with Jesus to heaven. What about us? The lives of many are still bound up in death and hell. Is yours? Does it need to be? Would you like to have Jesus steal your life out of the misery that otherwise is its destiny? have to do. Do what the thief did. Admit you deserve death and hell. I know. We all think, well, at least I'm not as bad as that guy on the cross was. But if we actually had spiritual eyes, if we could see our spirits next to his spirit, we'd find out we're not really better at all. Admit you deserve death and hell. And then believe Jesus can and will forgive you and give you eternal life. Is he the Son of God or not? Are his claims real or not? Does he really care or not? What will you do with Jesus Christ? Admit, believe, and then you will commit your life to him as your Lord. He created all things. He sustains all things. And he died for your sins. Maybe. Just maybe. He deserves to be Lord of your life. Father, on this day of all days, when your son, of course, could not stay dead, it's who he is. He is life. He is life. And when death tried to contain him, can no longer live. And every human being walking this planet, everyone breathing, has a chance. Like the people. Like the last of their life, like the centurion in the middle of his life, like some are able, even when they're very young, to follow him. We have a chance to skip the death we deserve. Yes, we will probably die physically unless Jesus returns before that time, but that isn't the end. Something comes after that. And we who believe know that that something is eternal life of Jesus Christ.
perfect human creation. Because he rose from the dead. He's alive. Thank you, Father. Help us somehow to bring that message to people. Admit, believe, and then commit. That's just not that hard. If we try to make it hard, it's not that hard. Help us to explain it to people that need to know. Thank you, Father. Jesus, name.